Good morning. So just so you know, now you can officially start listening to Christmas music, right? For those of you who are in the households where there's one of you that says no, and the other one says yes, you can say, well, Tim said yes, right? Oh, it's so good to see you all. Welcome to those who are downstairs, to our uh, dungeon dwellers down there, and uh, those who are online too, watching it's good to be together, isn't it? Beautiful poinsettias, and I think they put these up here so that I kind of like have to stay in here. We'll see how this goes. I can still get to the front. I know what Joe said, like distance. As you watch the bumper, hopefully you saw that there's a number of words that were highlighted as we went through there. What we're hoping to do for this month it's to go through the Christmas story, and uh, if you've read this a number of times, you should be picking these words out. We're going to grab five different phrases or words and kind of dig down into those a little bit and just look at those afresh and see how they relate right there in the Christmas story, and then ultimately trusting God maybe to use some of that to speak to our own hearts today. So kind of an exciting thing for me anyways to uh, anticipate we're going to walk our way through this. I want to start out before we get there with this verse in John chapter 1 verse 14. And this is what it says. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I think that's an astounding verse. If you stop and you begin to mull on the different phrases that are said there, you, you see the word became flesh, and that's what we're going to be celebrating come December 25th, right? The word became flesh. He arrived. But it says, and dwelt among us. He actually lived here on this planet for the space of about 33 years or so, and those individuals who were there with him, John, John writing this says, and we beheld his glory. We actually saw something in this person, this Jesus, and it was glorious. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. He's the son of unique position. There is no one else like him. And it is only him who was able to give his life for our sin need. There was no one else who could do this. There has been no one else. We couldn't do it for ourselves. Nothing else could be done but this son of unique position. He's the one who came and dwelt with us, and he was full of grace and truth. I want you to keep thinking about that as we go through our studies over these next weeks because we're wanting to behold him. We're wanting to see this glory. We're wanting to see how he has been presented to us in such a way that we worship him. So if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> turn with me to Luke chapter 1. The first phrase that we saw in the bumper was this phrase right here, do not be afraid. Again, if you've read at all about what the scripture says <clears throat> of the story, you know that this phrase comes up multiple times, right? You probably, if you're familiar with it, you can probably already tell me. Well, there's actually four times when this phrase comes up. We're going to look at these four times. We're going to see something about them. And again, hopefully God will begin to teach our own hearts in regards to that. 
But this is the phrase, do not be afraid. Now, before we get there, just so you know, this has been used over 48 times in the scripture. The word fear itself is used, at least my, my version says 366 times. That's like one more than the days of our year, just so you know. There's plenty. <clears throat> if you go tracking through that, you will find that God has told Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, like the fathers of Israel, don't be afraid. Then he's told the nation itself at times when uh, maybe enemies were encamped against them, don't be afraid, right? He repeats this over and over again. There are times with his disciples when he's walking on the water and they see him and they go, what's going on? And he says, don't be afraid. And then there's a guy named Paul when he says, I'm gonna ask you to serve me in a way that's gonna take the gospel across the world here and don't be afraid. And then there's a guy named Jairus who hears the news of a daughter who's dying and now has passed away. And you know what he says to him? Don't be afraid. One after another, after another, after another, you can do a study on this subject and be told, don't be afraid. Well, Luke records this for us as the, as the message of the Christmas story. So Luke, or sorry, uh, I'm ahead of myself, sorry. <clears throat> Luke is going to tell us, as he goes into this, all of these four events that we're going to look at here in just a minute. Hold on to that spot, okay? All of these four events, the context that he says, don't be afraid, is going to be the context where an angel appears. At least twice we know that it's the guy, uh, Gabriel. He's a messenger. That's what the word angel says. And every time, if you study them out, you will find that uh, there's a certain amount of awe that comes with that. I can only remember a time or two, like for example, when the Lord uh, appeared to Abraham just before he was going to destroy the city of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he had angels with him, and they appeared as men, and, and, and Abraham didn't quite get that. But, but any time when they appear and they are understood to be as angels, guess what kind of reaction you get? Falling on your face, fear, just unbelievable, like shaking and trembling. John himself saw an angel and he fell down on his face and worshiped that angel. As, this is the Apostle John. In other words, people, when they see an angel, they react. I'll give you an example here in Daniel. I'll just show it to you on the screen in Daniel, who is not a lightweight when it comes to the things of God. Daniel records this for us, and look what he says in chapter 10, verse four. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. This guy saw something and reacted, and I don't think that there's a one of us who would not react in the same kind of a way. I think we can understand this. 
So there's this appearance of these angels, and and they bring with them, when they appear, they bring with them a a certain reaction. Now in Luke chapter 1, let's look at this. we got to roll on this. Luke chapter 1, the first record that we have of this in regards to the whole Christmas story is to a guy by the name of Zacharias. You might know something about him. He is the father of John the Baptist. He was a priest. And it just so happened that the, that the group of priests that he was a part of, it was their time to go to the temple and serve. They rotated through is what they did. And it was his time. And on this particular day, they, by uh, normal practice, would, would cast the lots for four specific assignments. And one of those assignments, the third one, was to be the priest who was going to bring incense to the altar of incense. All right? That was a, was a, um, a privilege, a, a once-in-a-lifetime privilege for that particular priest. And lo and behold, the lots are cast, and Zacharias is chosen. You're the one, right? Now, we know from Scripture that, that the Word of God says that the, the casting of the lots is in the hand of God. In other words, he's in control. It's not happenstance here. Something is going to occur. So let's read this. Verse 5 of Luke 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. There's the group that he was a part of. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well in advance in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Hold that slide up there if you would, people. The angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side. Think of this in the context of your job. Think of wherever you're at, and all of a sudden an angel appears. What would you do? You would do just like old Zach does here. What What is going on here? What is happening? It actually says there, it says, when he saw him, he was troubled. You think? Right? Maybe that's a little bit of an understatement. I'm troubled. Hmm. I'm a little troubled over this. What is this happening that I'm seeing here? No, he was like, again, sorry, I got to make sure I don't, people are afraid I'm going to fall off. It's going to be falling backwards, right? Like, whoa, what am I going to do about this, right? He was troubled and fear fell upon him. It almost is written like as if like, plunk, there it goes. Oh, man, what am I going to do about this? No, he actually was making a choice. Something was in front of him, and that caused him to be afraid. We're going to get into that a little bit, so just remember this. But the angel said to him, stop being afraid. It's actually in a tense of, you're afraid, I want you to stop. We're going to see what happens with Zacharias. But he said to him, here's the context, he said, 
your prayer is heard. You see, Zacharias and his, and his wife Elizabeth, they had not been able to have children, and so they had been praying and asking God to provide for them. As a priest, you would have thought that he would remember, do you guys remember an Abraham and a Sarah? Do you remember how years and years went by for them too, asking God for a child, and, and they didn't have a child until they were in their old age? Like he should have known all of that story. But it seems like from what the angel is saying to him here, that he forgot. That they had been praying and now they had reached this place of realizing, hey, you know what? I'm old enough to be a grandpa, not a parent, so I guess those days are over for me, moving on. But he says, no, your prayer is heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. That's in the affirmative. That's what I want you to do. Zacharias has a choice. Drop down just a little bit more in that chapter of Luke 1. Look at verse 26. We'll pick up another person. This is the second. This is Mary. You'll see some similarities to what happened with Zacharias to what happens with Mary. You'll see the similarity of it's the same uh, angel, Gabriel. It actually is told to us in Scripture so that we're not guessing at this. He also arrives to her with a message. I'm going to tell you something. Let's look at this in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now here again, this angel shows up. What does she do? Well, it says, but when she saw him, she was troubled. Hmm. I wonder what this could be. No, it's a stagger. It's a, oh, what is going on here? How many of you have ever seen an angel before? You know, there's no record that she had ever seen an angel before this either. That had to be astounding to her. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, ah, but here's a little difference and considered what manner of greeting this was. <laughs> she either was the most, like, like, stoic person. Hmm, wonder why he would say that to me. What, what would this be? Or rock back. What in the world is he talking about? And so the angel says to her, do not be afraid. Literally, stop being afraid. You're afraid you need to stop. You see, that's a choice. When, whenever a command is given to us, we need to understand that, that we have a choice to make in the matter. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And there's the next one. Flip back, if you would, to Matthew. This is our third incident around the Christmas story. And this has to do with Joseph. Do you remember him? It was already introduced as we read. He's the husband. His is a little bit of a different situation. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let's pick this up. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Here's Matthew. He's writing this out just like we've seen Luke do the same kind of thing, right? And now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is how it happened. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, after they had come into an agreement, we're going to be husband and wife. That's what is happening here. Before they came together, before they had relations together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, Joe, we know, according to what the scripture says, he's a righteous man. 
This guy, I cannot wait to meet this guy. He is as solid as a rock. This guy is so willing to do what God wants him to do, and yet at the same time, he, here he's, he's considering the information that he's found. My wife, the one that I am betrothed to, the one that is going to be mine for, for the rest of our lives together, right? This one is pregnant. And the only way I know that that happens is if she's with somebody and she wasn't with me because I don't do that kind of thing. And so we got a problem here. And it says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, he was such a gracious guy. He was such a caring guy. Yes, here's what happened. Okay, we're going to have to deal with that. But you know what? I care enough for her and I care enough about godliness that I'm not going to do this in such a vindictive and, and mean way. He was not minded, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, to do that kind of quietly on her behalf. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. We don't know what angel, we just know an angel showed up. And he said to him, Joseph, son of David, there's the phrase again, do not be afraid. This one is a little bit different. This one is not stop being afraid. This is don't become afraid. Like you have a challenge before you here, Joseph, and you're going to have to make a decision on this. What are you going to do? Don't become afraid. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Don't, don't be afraid to do that. You see, in the context of what was happening, he was living in a town where it would be known and it would be believed, you know what, Joe? You and Mary kind of ran off in the bushes, didn't you? Like before you got married kind of thing. In fact, we see in Scripture that Jesus himself is ridiculed as being an illegitimate child, a child born or at least conceived prior to wedlock. Shame, shame, shame on you. Joseph was going to be taking on a responsibility if he was going to be obedient to this that would cause grief for him. So was Mary. The last one, turn back to Luke chapter 2. And these are the uh, shepherds. And this is a little bit of a different story too, but, but the same admonition. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, picking it up here, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. So there's another one. We don't know again who this angel is. We just know he shows up. And they know it. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So there's a little added something. It's not just this angel shows up, but it's the glory of the Lord. Something is happening. It should be seen in your mind's eye. Something brilliant is going on, and they were greatly afraid. Like, we are quaking. Oh, my word, what is going on? And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Same command. This one, again, is just like before where he's saying, stop being afraid. You're afraid? Stop it. 
Stop being afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You talk about a message that he had for them. And yet, they're quaking in fear. I wonder if we can identify with that. I wonder if we can identify with, you know what I find so often, I'm afraid of things that God actually means for joy in my life. I don't know it at the time. But because of a reaction to that moment, I miss out sometimes on the things that are so joyful. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word Savior, we're going to look at that one too. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. We don't even know how many. We just know it was a gob of them. Can I say it that way? Like a bunch, a lot. A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Four distinct times around the Christmas story when something happens and the angel has to say to the individuals who are hearing that message, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. How did they respond? Well, let's look back at them. In, for Mary, in Luke chapter 1, this is what she said. Ultimately, she concluded this. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Mary actually went through this, this hmm, I wonder what this could mean, Right? To then going, now wait a minute, hold on. You're saying that I'm going to have a child, but the, the fact is I've never been with a guy before. So I'm not sure how that's good. In other words, she didn't just go, okay, no problem, right? Like something was happening in her thinking where this doesn't make sense to me. Help me to understand. Well, Mary, you need to understand that the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. The, the one that you have as a child is going to be the child of God. Oh, you see, behold, the, the bond slave of the Lord. Well, here I am. I, I recognize who I am before you. I'm only a servant. That's not for me to say, well, you can't do it that way, right? That, that's for me to say, okay, Lord, whatever you want. A, a doulos, a, a bond slave, is looking after the interests of the master, is willing to submit their own interests to the interest of the master. If this is what you, may it be done to me according to your word. Therefore it is, right? And in her heart, fearful, told to stop being afraid and chooses to be obedient and says, okay, you tell me this is the way it's gonna be. That's the way it's gonna be. What about Joseph? Again, I love this man. In Matthew there he said, after that vision, after that dream, and Joseph, Joseph awoke, and it says in verse 24, and did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And how do we know that? In verse 25, it says, and he called his name Jesus. Don't miss that little phrase. That little phrase tells you that Joseph was obedient. You remember the angel said to, to Zacharias, you're going to call his name John. And he said to Joseph, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And guess what he did? He, Joseph, called his name Jesus. The father bestowed the name onto that child in obedience to what the Lord said. He, he stopped being afraid. Let's look at the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. 
Guess what they did afterwards? It says they kept saying, that, like they kept, like, like, I don't know how many of them together chatter boxes to each other. What in the world did you, did you see that? Well, there was a ton of them. Did you count them? No, I didn't count them. There were too many of them. How was I supposed to do that? And the glory, it was just amazing. We got to go see this. Come on, let's go. Well, wait, what about the sheep that we've got right now? Who cares about the sheep? Let's go. No, 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 no. We could lose some. The animals could come. Oh, it doesn't matter. Let's go, right? Kept on saying, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see. And so they did, right? You know the story. The only difference was this guy right here, Zacharias. It's the only difference. He said, his response, well, how, how will I know? I'm old. He actually questioned the angel just like Mary questioned the angel. But the problem was, is that when the angel said, hey, I'm Gabriel, I actually stand in the very presence of God. Do you get that? Do you understand that when I'm coming here to tell you this, it's because I'm a messenger who stands in the presence of God, and he has sent me here, and this is what's going to happen. And he didn't submit himself to that. He continued on in unbelief, and therefore he was afraid. And so if you read through the story, you find that the angel says to him, guess what, you're not going to talk anymore until that son is born. And that's when you're going to call him John, because he's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be the one who's coming before the Messiah and communicating to everybody, he's coming, watch behind me, he's coming. But you're not going to talk until that. And if you remember the story, he comes out and they realize because he can't talk, something must have happened. <clears throat> I mentioned to you, when I was telling you that be not afraid happens in a number of places in Scripture, I mentioned to you a guy named Jairus, a guy whose daughter was sick, and he had come to the Lord and asked the Lord to come with him to heal her. Hopefully you've read that before. I think it's in Mark 5. And um, the Lord's headed that way. Do you remember this story? And a, and a woman comes up. He's in a crowd, and it's tight, right? And he's like, excuse me, excuse me. Can, can, and everybody's touching each other, remember? And she touches him, and he's like, hey, who touched me? And his disciples are, what are you talking about? We're all doing this, kind of like trying to get through. And come on, get out of the way, right? And now servant comes and says, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. Do you know what the Lord said to him? He turned to Jairus and he said, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. I say that because Jairus to me is an example of like us who don't see angels, but we fear too. You see, fear is a, is a pretty common thing. And, and we're going to have to ask ourselves this question. How are we supposed to respond to fear? How are we supposed to think about this? Now, okay, these are, these are statistics in my mind that are mind-blowing. The word that I've been using, this afraid word, we actually get our word phobia from. If you look this one up, there's a number of words in the Scripture, both Hebrew and Greek, that are translated with afraid, fear, those kinds of things, right? So you, you can pick a number of them, but this particular one, this, we get our word phobia. A phobia is a fear that controls. Do you know, according to whoever that they are, 
that there are over 550 known cataloged phobias. Did you know that? 550. And this is what they said. And you know what? They're growing. Like it's never ending. You, you can be afraid of failure, and they got a name for that, by the way. <laughs> you can even be afraid of fear, and they've got a name for that too. You can be afraid of heights. You, you can be afraid of sitting on, are those brown or gray? Whatever that, you can be afraid of seats that are soft and brown or gray or whatever that color is. Like, you can be afraid of standing. You can be afraid of sitting. These are all phobias. We're not just talking something, ooh, I'm a little afraid of this. This is a fear that controls. Do you know what our world says to us about that kind of stuff? Our world says, you need to learn to cope, right? That's our big word. You need to learn to cope with that. But everything that our world offers in the coping mechanisms whether it's medication or self-medication, whether it's therapy, whether it's telling yourself the truth. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you are afraid to fly? And when you're afraid to fly and you tell somebody, guess what they tell you? Well, don't you know that you're safer in an airplane than you ever are in a car and you go driving by these people? Don't they tell you that? And that, really, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Oh, whew, thank you so much. I was about ready to remember that, but now I'm not afraid. No. They can tell you the aerodynamics. They can tell you the reason why all these engines are much more reliable than the engine in your own car. They can give you facts and figures. They can tell you all that kind of stuff, and you're still going mm, white-knuckling it when that thing's going down the runway about ready to take off. And the same thing happens when he's going to land. Ooh. And then you see him land and everybody goes, Whoa. oh, we break into nervous clapping. It happens thousands of times around the world, but we're somehow thinking that it's not going to happen for us. So the point is, is that the things of the world don't actually satisfy the need of the heart. Now, I was thinking about this. How are we to respond to fear and I was thinking about this from the standpoint of, you know, what is really at the heart of the matter here? Why is it that God would see fit to tell us so many different times, do not be afraid? You know what I've concluded with this? I think it's an issue of worship. I think it actually comes back to that. You see, this is what, you, you, you follow along. You see if you, you agree with me. All four of those as examples, something was facing them and they had a choice to make. He actually says to them, do not be afraid, right? They have a choice to make. They have an option. Am I going to succumb to what's going on here or am I going to trust God? And that's where Zacharias broke down. Zacharias had struggles just like Mary had struggles. He was troubled just like she was, but, but she concluded, ah, God, I know you. It's interesting to me, I don't know how much to make of this, but Zacharias is the only professional. <laughs> Mary, just a simple lady, right? Given an opportunity. Joseph, simple guy. Shepherds, simple individuals. Not like the high-powered or anything like that, but old Zach, 
He's hanging out with the word of God, right? He's in the temple. Do you know that where this, where this altar of incense was located was in the room called the holy place, and right there was the door into the holy of holies, of which only one time a year the high priest went in there with sacrifice on that particular day, right? Like, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. That, that's where, that's where um, uh, some of the manna was in that ark. That's, that's where the staff was. That, that's, oh my word, he's that close, right? And, and he's in this area, and he has the opportunity to trust God, but he doesn't. You see, because the word tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is, Right? You have to know him in order to trust him. And it's not know about him. You have to know him. You have to know that, that he takes us through the Red Sea kind of experiences. You have to know that he is the one who's able to supply. You see, sometimes we're afraid of our financial shortfall. Oh my word, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bill? But God says, now wait a minute, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I call myself the God who provides. Why? So that you all will know I'm a provider for you. I'm actually able to do that. You see, those shepherd and those flocks, they belong to me. They're mine. I can do with them as I see fit. I can provide. There's so many things that, that, that we fail to remember, just like Zacharias fails to remember, that God did something with Abraham and Sarah. And we fail too. We get ourselves into situations where societally we're afraid to be judged. That's huge in our society right now. Why? Why would we be afraid of being judged by others when the almighty judge has decreed, I love you. And this is what I think about you. And I'll actually write it out for you so you can see some of this stuff and you can begin to mull on that a little bit. Know something about me a little bit more and what I say is true about you. Why would we be afraid what people can do to us, right, when they can't actually kill the soul, when they can't actually affect our eternal destiny? And when, when the Word of God says that, that, that we're actually in the palm of His hand, that we belong to him, that he cares for us. And so therefore, why would we, af we be afraid of what people would do to us? Why is it that we're in a financial shortfall and I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna lose my house or whatever, and now I'm biting the fingernails all the way to the, to the bottom, right? When he says, hey, guess what? I I'm going to prepare a place for you and, and I'm gonna bring you to me. So this house here, that's a temporary thing. It doesn't really matter, but it does, right? It does when our thinking is not on God, but our thinking is on our circumstances. You see, Zacharias, he had a wonderful opportunity to trust God, and he missed it. It's not the worst thing in the world. God still used him. God actually gave him his voice back, but it serves as a lesson to us. It helps us to see, oh God, I understand that because I do the same kind of stuff. Thank you for teaching me. And so this is what he says to us then. 
Do not be afraid, only believe. We started out looking at John, and this is what he said. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And we beheld the glory of God. Has the word become flesh already? Yeah, we're taking this entire month to celebrate that. That, that we're focusing on just that part right there. The Word became flesh. But you know what? We're also getting an opportunity to behold His glory. No king arrives without fanfare. And you talk about glory. There's no, there's no uh, fireworks or nothing that will match those angels that appeared to those shepherds. That had to be awesome. And I hope there's some tape up there or video or whatever digital. I don't know what format they use in heaven, but I want to see that, right? I want to see that. I want to be staggered by that. But I tell you what here, people. We can trust him today before we're ever staggered by the sight of that. We can trust him today if we know who he is. The one who promised to send the Savior has already done so. And the one who it says, and we beheld his glory, the one who's the only begotten, and he's full of grace and truth, we get to see that same thing. God puts this before us and says, do not be afraid, only believe. And the issue is this, will I fear you, God, or will I fear my circumstances? Now, I realize that's difficult when those circumstances are there. But what we want to be doing is we want to be getting to know God to a greater and greater degree so that when the moments of life that have the temptations to be afraid, that we become people who believe. It's not like, I am not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be afraid. That's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is, God, I know who you are. And that is tempting me to be afraid, but I have you. I'm beholding you. I'm watching you, and guess what? Perfect love casts out fear. It's like a candle, right? It's like a light. It pushes that away. It doesn't invite it in. It pushes it out. We get the one, this is why it's important. We get the wonderful privilege of trusting God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, but with faith, that's belief. That's trust is what that is. It delights the heart of our Savior who's come already and dwelt with us and now begins the journey to Calvary because he's going to supply the greatest need that we've ever had. He will meet that need with the shedding of his own blood for us. Let's pray. Father, oh, we're just beginning to talk about Christmas just beginning to look at this first phrase, do not be afraid. I wonder how that was said, Lord. I wonder if that was said in a quiet, soft way, or if that was kind of a shout. I wonder how the hearer heard those words. Lord, so often you speak them to us very quietly. The moment arises, whether it's the news that a loved one has passed away, whether it's a situation that we're confused and we're troubled in and we just don't know what's going on. 
so often your spirit in such a quiet way just whispers to us, child, trust me on this one. Just trust me. Keep your eyes on me and trust me. Father, you know what the days bring to us. You know the trials before us. You know when the dark days will come and the days of sunshine. Between now and then, Father, would you, um, would you teach our hearts together that we would behold your Son, this, this Son of unique position, and we would see that he's full of grace and he's full of truth. You could have, you could have said he's full of kindness. You could have said he's full of righteousness or of judgment. You could, have, you could have picked all kinds of words to describe him, but you described him as full of grace and truth. Oh, help us to see him, Father, and to be enamored with him, to be taken up with who he is. So in the moments when the temptation is there, that we would choose to see that as an opportunity to trust you rather than be afraid. Thank you for freeing us up so that our hearts can be settled on you. We pray this in Jesus' name.